Welcome to your Calm Parenting Toolbox, the podcast for parents who want to get the most out of their kids and themselves. Here's your host, parenting coach, Heather Lindsay. Hi, mums, and welcome back to the next episode of the Calm Parenting Toolbox. My name is Heather, and I'm so happy to bring this podcast episode to you as part of all the wonderful resources here at Blissed Out Mums. I'm here to help you really enjoy being a mum and to share some parenting strategies that make life a bit easier for you, for your kids and your family as a whole. Now, I've had some time off doing some further study, spending time with my kids and looking after my parents who have unfortunately both been ill. You know, it's coming to the end of 2020. It's been a big year for everyone, but it's still time to get back on board with this podcast. In the last episode, I talked about how to get more sleep as a mum, a hot topic indeed. If you haven't had a chance to go and listen to it, I would highly recommend that you do. There are two sides to the sleep equation for parents. So there's the quality of sleep for mum, which is what we discussed in the last episode. And then there is, of course, the sleep patterns of her child. Even if you are interrupted a couple of times overnight, if you're having quality sleep, even for those short periods, then you'll feel better than if you don't. You could have eight hours of uninterrupted sleep, but if it's low quality, then you won't actually feel rested in the morning. Now, one of the biggest reasons for poor quality sleep in parents, particularly mums who are often up overnight, especially if they're breastfeeding when their kids are young, is our children waking up. They wake up, we're interrupted. We have to settle them and then have to get back to sleep. And all of that takes away precious hours, minutes, seconds of rest that we need to rejuvenate from the day. In the last episode, I chatted about sleep hygiene techniques for mums to help them get quality sleep even when they are interrupted because it is possible. But today, I want to talk about what we can do with our children to help them fall asleep faster and, of course, stay asleep. There are so many resources online and out there in the wonderful world about how to help our children sleep. You know, sleep routines, lighting, noise reduction, cool rooms, sleeping bags, tight sheets, weighted blankets. All of it is ultimately about sleep hygiene. You can also buy many, many products to help you achieve these different outcomes. And whatever you buy, whatever sleep specialist you pay to help your child go to sleep, It all comes down to the basics. So this is why it's a must to go back to the last episode in this podcast because everything there I discuss about mums and their sleep hygiene applies to our children. A bedtime routine helps them know that it's time for bed. You know, in my family, I do dinner, bath, quiet play, teeth, books and bed. That has been the same routine that I have had since my eldest was a baby. That's nine and a half years of the same thing every night. 
We know that cooler and darker rooms help us and our children go to sleep. 18 degrees C is the optimal temperature for a room. You know, it's achievable at the moment now that we're in spring, but as the weeks go on, it's getting hotter and hotter here in Australia. And over summer, it's certainly not always 18 degrees overnight. You know, those really hot high 30, even into the 40 days, it can be in the 20s overnight. You know, that's really not conducive to having a comfortable sleep temperature. You know, I'd love to have the aircon on all the time, but my electricity bill doesn't particularly like that. So instead, I do try to have the window open, good fan, light PJs, or perhaps only undies for the kids. And hope for the best and just understand that on those hot sticky nights, everyone's going to be a little bit more disturbed overnight. Daylight savings can also be a real struggle. Now my kids usually go to sleep between 7.30 and 8.30pm and definitely at 7.30 it's not dark So I have to use other strategies and think outside of the box. You know, I pull the outdoor block out blinds down early and make sure the blinds in their rooms are closed while they're quickly in the bath. But this is a struggle that's always hard. My youngest has a great difficulty falling asleep when it's not dark and I just have to go with it. Either he'll work it out one day or we'll just always struggle each summer. That's his personality. But I have found that keeping that sleep routine, which is a part of sleep hygiene, through the winter months when it is, of course, darker at bedtime, helps in the summertime because he's already familiar and accustomed to you know, the process of what he's expected to do and when. Comfortable PJs, sheets and even weighted blankets are there to help our children feel comfortable and decrease that frustrating fidgety stage before bed. Being comfortable again is a huge component of sleep hygiene. Now getting comfortable when it's not our own body can be trial and error. Our kids can't necessarily tell us when they're really uncomfortable. So when they're particularly young, we kind of have to guess. But as they get older, they can be fortunately more involved in the process. My toddler really benefits from the small weighted blanket I have for him, whereas my eldest gets very hot very quickly. And well, my middle daughter hates all blankets at all, so she quite easily kicks them off. So I always tend to dress her a little bit warmer than you would think, but just simply because she won't have any sheets on within five or ten minutes of me leaving the room. They're all different. Three kids raised the same way and they have their own personality and own things that make them comfortable. And when we look at strategies to help our children sleep, we have to see them as individuals. So if those are some things that help our children go to sleep, and please go back and listen to the last episode of the podcast about sleep hygiene techniques for mums because they do all work for our kids. What happens about staying asleep? Because that's the other part of the equation, getting them to sleep and then getting them to stay asleep. Now, I hate with a passion the dreaded question that so many mums are asked, is he sleeping through the night yet? 
Apart from the fact that I find this question very rude, because really it's nobody's business whether my child sleeps through the night, the question also places judgment upon our child, that they are either bad or naughty because they wake up. Sleeping through the night is a developmental milestone. At 37 years of age, yep, that's my real age, I still wake up throughout the night. Does that make me a bad person? Nope. It's just a fact of life, just a fact of my genes. My father has the same sleep patterns as I do. Sometimes it's because I'm too hot or I'm too cold. Sometimes I need to use the bathroom. Thank you very much, post-pregnancy bladder. Sometimes I'm thirsty. And other times I've had a bad dream or I simply wake up for unknown reasons. The same happens for our children. So here in this episode, I want to challenge you about the way we look at our child's sleep. So what if your child who wakes frequently or even just once through the night is doing it simply because it is part of the human condition? If adults wake in the night, then why shouldn't children? What makes it inherently wrong for our child to wake? Now, I know how frustrating it is when our kids wake frequently. My eldest was a catnapper and woke every 40 minutes. She didn't start sleeping long stretches until she was around four. And then I think it wasn't until she was around eight that she would even sleep through the night. And still at the moment, nine and a half, she'll be up once throughout the night and often needs me there to help her go to sleep. My middle child, who's seven, however, is the total opposite. Once she started sleeping straight through, she's always done it. There's been nothing different between them. Same bedtime routines, same sleep hygiene techniques, similar patterns during the day, but two very different sleepers. Each child and each of our children are individuals, and that includes their sleep patterns. And we as mums can make our life a whole lot easier if we simply remember that fact. Now, when our children wake, particularly when they are young, they need our help to fall back to sleep. Falling asleep and getting quality sleep needs a state of being relaxed and feeling safe. So the child who wakes in the middle of the night, A, might not know why they have woken up and what they need to be able to get back to sleep, or B, might not feel safe and secure enough to get them back to sleep, or a combination of both. So they might cry out for their parent. And with parenting being a -a 24-hour-a-day role, in that moment, we have to answer that call. I know it is hard. And if you're listening to this episode and struggling with your child's sleep, I really do feel for you. I have a love-hate relationship with the saying, you know, this too shall pass, but it actually does pass and a wonderful way to go with the flow and make the really hard times easier is to change our perception, to change the way we're thinking about our children, how they're sleeping and the impact that's having on us. If you struggle with challenging your perception, then I'd encourage you to journal. Go and grab yourself a beautiful notebook and a special pen that you can dedicate to reflecting on your experiences as a mother and your journey through parenting. 
I'm sure you've heard me reference journaling many times throughout these podcast episodes. Reflecting on our struggles reduces stress. It helps us gain perspective, explore alternatives. And if you're like me, then you can plan strategies, write pros and cons lists and reflect on what works and of course what doesn't work. Give it a go and I know that it will help. So go back and listen to the last episode and take notes about things that you can do to improve your sleep and then use those same notes to your child's. Look at their bedtime routine. Look at how you're preparing them for bed in the couple of hours beforehand. You know, avoiding screen time, having environments calm and not overly noisy or not too bright comfortable sleeping environments in bed and in the bedroom and then of course look at your perspective your child's an individual children are developmentally you know necessary to wake up overnight as frustrating as it is for parents get all of this down into your journal you know plan what you're going to do And then take action on that plan to improve your sleep, your child's sleep, and hopefully the whole happiness of your family. Give it a go and I know that it will help. As always, you can get in contact with me anytime via my website, through the Blissed Out Mums Facebook page, or by emailing me directly at heather at blissedoutmums.com.au. I will always endeavour to get back to you as soon as possible. I hope that you've enjoyed this episode. I'm glad to be back after some time away. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast and rate the episode wherever you have accessed it. Remember, check out my website for a multitude of resources to help you on your parenting journey. And I look forward to seeing you in the next episode. Bye for now.